Paceline is produced by the Cycling Independent with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Dude, I've been out of town, and I'm back home, and I came back to smoky air. There is literally no place on the, on the West Coast safe from wildfire smoke anymore. <laughs> Well, here on the East Coast, Patrick, we have a uh, endless stream of hurricanes forming in the southern Atlantic, which uh, uh, will lambaste us again this weekend with a another inch to inch or two of rain that we don't need. Um, yeah. Okay. So this would be where I shut up with my complaints now. No. No. <laughs> Climate change is everywhere. Uh, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Ride your bike. Leave your car at home. <laughs> yeah. Amen to that. Um, my 14-year-old doesn't really like getting on the back of our cargo e-bike. No, he, I can imagine. He's, he's much too cool for that. Ah, then he needs to ride his own bike. Well, you know, that was the solution I suggested, and he didn't like that either. Is that a matter of contractual obligation that anything that dad suggests is automatically just not worth considering um yeah probably okay okay i had a set two with my own 16 year old just this morning uh he wanted to opt for a plan that was much more uh inconvenient for his father uh <laughs> and i just said well no <laughs> <laughs> how did that go over uh uh, there was grudging acceptance at the end. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, he, uh, he may know that discretion is the better part of valor in a, in a, in a showdown with me. <laughs> um, it, I don't, that's not really common to the 14 year old experience though, is it? Um, n no, they are less self-aware they're two mm -hmm. years less self-aware at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that may be light years. Uh, that's correct. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's yeah. years so as it a seems distance. Currently, yeah. the only way I can get him on a bike is to put him on the back and he doesn't really want to be there. Yeah, I would say, hey, man, it's your choice. Ride your own <laughs> or or get in the van, you know? <laughs> oh, he much prefers being in a vehicle. That's for sure. Well, I meant, you know what I meant, yes. get in the van. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. All righty, why don't you lead us out, sir? All right, well, so today I have two perspectives uh, that I want to share from pro cycling. Okay. First, I want to highlight the controversy that has blossomed in free ride mountain biking 
Oh. Uh, sp- specifically, as regards the upcoming Red Bull Rampage. Oh, that's always a lightning rod, isn't it? <laughs> well, as it turns out, Red Bull has decided to invite zero women to the event. Uh, is that a particular class of women, or is that... No, that's uh, a numerical total. That's a numerical total uh, of the <laughs> many outstanding women free ride uh, athletes they have chosen to invite zero. And this is on the heels of canceling Red Bull Formation, uh, which was one of the marquee women's free ride events on the calendar. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know how to be more direct about this. Uh, Red Bull sucks. I, I'm I'm not in a position to argue the point. <laughs> it's it's a it's a funny thing. They've taken the money they make from a semi toxic energy drink. <laughs> And and plowed it into all manner of sporting franchises and events. Mm-hmm. Um, in effect, they're sort of sports washing the fact that they're poisoning the youth of the world. <laughs> um, and they've pulled off some really crazy things. Many of them, little more than straightforward publicity stunts. For example, I love the BMX rider Chris Kyle. I, mm-hmm. I would watch him ride all day, but I didn't need to see him riding a bull suspended from a helicopter. Uh, yeah, they had I had money for I, that. I didn't need to see that, but I did. Right. Um, and it only took, I don't know, three or four seconds to go next. Right. Uh, you know, if they have money for that, they have money for women to come to Rampage. Do they have money for insurance yet? <laughs> I don't know. Well, the previous controversy involving the Rampage was uh, that there was no event insurance. So, you know, you and your dig crew would go out and, you know, dig and make these sick lines uh, because the only lines you want are sick. Um, Correct. And then you would ride said sick lines, but you wouldn't end up sick. You would uh, sometimes end up, uh, well, injured. Broken. Yeah. 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 And so there was no event insurance to file a claim with to cover you. And, you know, a lot of these free ride athletes are... um, you know, in a, in a, in a more technical sense, um, underemployed. Sure. Sure. And that's just worse for the women. Now Red Bull would seem to have all the money in the world, but none for the top women free riders. And there are a slew of them. As I said, on the face of it, it's just a canceled event. Who knows entirely what the thinking was behind that, but, Mm -hmm. but they're denying the best women riders an opportunity to make a living and grow their profiles. Uh, if Red Bull was pulling out of free ride altogether, okay, mm-hmm. but they're not. Here comes Rampage, all dudes, and I think no thanks, not interested. I I need to stop here and just say <clears throat> the fact that the women had a separate event is also garbage. Lame. No, but at least there was uh, an effort there and some investment. I just I just think like when you have the amount of money that they have, that they splash everywhere, it's clear that they're making a choice. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And that choice is to diss women. (sighs) You know, what's what I find especially disturbing about this is, you know, if if you could pretty much criticize everything that Red Bull was doing, save the cool stuff their athletes were pulling off. Um, then it'd be like, you know, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, 
But, you know, you look at uh, Rebecca Rush's film Blood Road. Uh, that was a Red Bull uh, production. Uh, she could not have made that without them. She would not have conceived that trip without working with her uh, agent, handler, whatever, her Red Bull person that she interfaced with. Um, they were pushing her. You know, you're not going to be racing anymore. So what is your story? What are we chasing? What are you about? How are you going to inspire people? And they pushed her and pushed her. And she came up with Blood Road, which is a stunning documentary. Um, It's a beautiful film. So we can't just say, okay, you know, you should bag on everything Red Bull does. Red Bull does some neat stuff. They bring in top-notch neuroscientists and psychologists to teach their athletes about the ins and outs of what it is they're doing. No doubt they do good things. Mm-hmm. Which is why that this situation has gotten to where it is just completely boggles my mind. Yeah, exactly. If they if they uniformly sucked, you know, it just we could just wash our hands of it and go, okay, whatever. But they don't always suck. They do some neat, neat, interesting things. Um, the Red Bulletin. My friend Peter Flax is the editor in chief there. That's a really fine magazine. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at this point, someone, someone there needs to come out and do some splaining, or or uh, figure out what they're doing with free ride mountain biking because right now they're it up pretty badly yeah yeah uh for all those you pl- playing the home game uh, john just put his hand over his mouth the next thing i want to talk about is the recently concluded vuelta espana mm-hmm. uh which saw american sep Kuss bring home the first american grand tour victory in a decade uh, I'll let everyone look up who the last winner was. It wasn't great by most accounts. Anyway, Sepp is a likable character and was a devoted do- domestique for Jonas Vingago at the tour, not to mention the time he put on the front for Primoz Rog- Roglic, who won the Giro. Yes, Jumbo Visma has swept the Grand Tours this season. Vingago and Roglic finished second and third at this Vuelta, and if you only knew that much... You'd say, wow, what a strong team and an amazing display of teamwork. (laughs) But it didn't really go that way, did it? On stage 18 of the Vuelta, Vingago attacked, Mm -hmm. dropping Kuss, and Roglic then jumped into the gap that followed, also dropping Kuss, who, by the way, was wearing the red jersey at the time. Yeah. Both teammates put time into Kuss, and afterwards they were widely pilloried for disloyalty and disrespect. It should have been more than just widely. It should have been universally. <laughs> it may have been universally. Um, the, the looks on their faces as they answered the questions about what they were doing to their teammate yeah. uh, were pretty priceless. Sheepish is the first word that springs to mind. Embarrassed is another one. And it it made me think, you know, is pro cycling a team sport or is the team only useful until it's not? <laughs> well, well, you could ask uh, you if you had a time machine, you could go back and ask Greg LeMond in, say, August of 1989 and then again in August of 1990. And you would get uh, varied responses. 
Well, that's exactly the situation that sprung to mind, and Patrick is referring to uh, uh, Lamond in yellow getting attacked by his teammate, Bernard Hinault, who is a famous... And, um, <laughs> sorry, that's more hand over mouth there. We need a beep. We need a, a beep mm. for, yeah, profanity beeper. Um, yeah, ridiculous situation. Roglic and Mingo showed up the next day and did their duty, uh, on stage 19, but they were awfully, awfully contrite in interviews after, and it seemed pretty obvious there had been a serious, uh, come to Jesus in the hotel, uh, the team hotel the night before. The right thing happened in the end, and the controversy no doubt just helped the race uh, to some free publicity, honestly. But mm -hmm. just in case we thought we had moved into the, quote, nice guy era of pro cycling, <laughs> maybe we should think again. You know, I'm a little less uh, curious what was going through their minds than what was going on with the team and the directors and race radio. Well, they they came out and said that race radio was breaking up and they and so the directors were unaware of the situation, which I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That is a non-factual statement. I think it's I think that's a lie is non-factual <laughs> statements are lies. Yeah, I think they just straight lied about it. Oh, so it wasn't uh, an alternate fact. Uh, well, it was a very alternate fact. <laughs> yeah. The fact uh, was they attacked their teammate. The fact was they attacked their teammate. And, you know, as we, as we sort of like turn this thing over, because the, the, the counter argument to this whole thing, like you don't attack your teammate when, when he or she is in the leader's jersey is if you're Jonas Vingago, you've won a couple tours, you can add of Welta, you are you are this close to stepping up into uh, into all time greatness mm -hmm. with a lot of career still in front of you. Mm -hmm. If Eddie Merckx had done this, you know, people would have said that's the cannibal, right? Right. They um, shrugged their shoulders and gone. Eh. And I feel certain that in the team hotel, Vingago and Roglic said we're we're stronger. And we can win this race. Why wouldn't we do that? Isn't that what we're here for? Um, now, I happen to disagree with that, but there's because I, I believe in the team and I think they owe that guy. They owed him the top step of the podium, my opinion. Mm -hmm. But there is a strong case to say, shouldn't the strongest person in the race win? Um, and it it reminds me a little bit pardon me, of, of Jasper Philipson's performance at the tour this year. Green jersey winner. Mm -hmm. uh, he won, I think, four stages? Four, maybe five. I'm, I'm forgetting off the top of my head, but m many of them were, let's say, flawed sprints mm -hmm. uh, That where he, by the rule book, he should have been relegated. Um, and it brought to my mind the question, should grand tour sprinting forget it forget grand tour should sprinting be safe <laughs> is it supposed to be safe <laughs> and it, to me these are parallel questions to should you wait for your teammate if you're stronger well even in the safest sprints they look to me borderline suicidal so 
I think a lot of us don't have any business really commenting on on the should of safeness of sprinting. Yeah, if everyone is on their line traveling at that speed in those circumstances, it's not very safe. But it's much less safe if you're allowed to run competitors into the barriers. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah, um, that I mean, there, there for all the mayhem that sprinting is, um, there are a, a couple of conventions and putting someone into barriers is uh I would say, to use that term again, universally frowned upon. Yes, but that's not what happened mm, uh, yeah. in this year's tour. So, so I, you know, I, I believe it out there. I, I think, I think, as someone who is sort of uh, re-engaging with pro cycling, um, you want to what what you want to tune into is something different than you watched twenty years ago. And I'm not sure I'm not sure what we're looking at is different. But if I can offer one one small historic uh, contextual point regarding this um, prior to the Vuelta being moved um, to August, September um, from its original dates in April, um, it uh, and actually the move and dates didn't really change this, but historically the Vuelta is either won by a top Lieutenant for an amazing, uh, GC rider, you know, a tour champion, or it's won by someone who, you know, it's, it's like being speaker of the house. This is the best you're going to do. This is the top gig you're going to get. Um, you, you've maxed out your talent. Um, mm. and so, yeah, historically, you you didn't have, um, you know, the, the tour winner really going after the Vuelta. Um, that's that's not been the the primary pattern of that. It's gifted to a top lieutenant or it's it's somebody who's quite a talent, but not a tour winner. It- Yeah, I I mean, I think of it also as sort of a a redemptive opportunity for riders who crashed out of the Giro or Vuelta. Mm -hmm. Like um, uh, Remco Evenepoel this year had COVID at the Giro. He he should have been a a primary contender. And so he came to the Vuelta looking to win. Yeah. Yeah. And then fell apart and didn't get that to happen. But that's beside the point. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, pro mm-hmm. cycling. Uh, it it remains as uh, who knows what they're doing uh, with uh, st- uh, performance enhancers or whatever. But it remains as cutthroat as all money money dependent competitions. <laughs> yeah, you know, stage eighteen was the one where I said, okay, I'm going to check in. On the Vuelta, I, I've I've got a little time that I've carved out for myself. I'm going to do this, and I saw that. I saw the attack, and I was like, "No, I'm out." Those guys are bleep holes. Um, I I just I was so disgusted by the move, um, and, and the lack of loyalty that it's like, "Oh, screw those guys." Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. It, it was a bad look, and I think you know, uh, honestly, for Jumbo Visma. Uh, a team that 
was probably very popular or some riders that were very becoming increasingly popular with people really hurt their reputations there. <laughs> and someone someone said to me, uh, they said, I can't wait for the Netflix tour documentary to come out next year, which will be of this, you know, like, let's uh-huh. see what Jumbo Visma has to say uh, this time. OK, that's something I would watch. <laughs> so a year from now, just do me a favor and remind me. Yeah, it's going to be the real housewives of the pro Peloton is what, what you're going to get. That's 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 almost. Um, yeah, I'll just stop there. It's almost. It's almost. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break and be back in just a minute. We are brought to you by Shimano's new GRX 12 speed mechanical components. There are three 800 level groups to choose from. And for those on a tighter budget, Shimano has updated its 600 series cranks and shift levers for 1x12 and 2x12 setups that utilize trickle-down technology from the original 800 series GRX component line. As if that's not enough... They've also got some fresh gravel wheels in the mix. The new RX880 wheel set is a full 64 grams lighter per pair than its predecessor and features the same shallow 32 millimeter rim height for faster acceleration and quicker climbing. The RX880 wheels are tubeless ready and employ a progressive 25 millimeter inner rim width that's suitable for tires from 32 millimeters to 50 millimeters wide. Find them at bike.shimano.com. Okay, we're back with the pace line, the podcast on two wheels. What have you got for us this week? So I was on a ride last weekend and partway through the ride, folks started talking about what they start jonesing for when they get to that horse to the barn point in the ride. Uh, something flipped in my brain. And for the even though we weren't near the end of the ride, uh, the conversation got started and that that just took me down a rabbit hole. And for the next hour, all I could think of was about all the different foods that I have hankered for when it's late in the ride. And it's quite an assortment. My my friend Chad does this. He he starts like an hour to go talking about the breakfast that he's going to make for himself. And it drives me. I mean, it's funny, but it's also like, will you shut up? We are not done yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, and it's funny how either people, you know, they may be thinking about it, but don't want they're trying to keep it out of their head and they don't want right. to talk about it. Right. Or people just want to obsess about it. It's like, oh, my God, pulled pork barbecue. That's what I need. Yes. You know, with with a sweet sauce, not vinegary, you know, and, and you know, you, I want the bun toasted. But, you know, people will just go down these rabbit holes. I have a rule for myself. I I put it, I push it off. I push it away. I bury it because <laughs> I, in my mind, if I'm hungry, I'm in trouble. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I, I won't have that, but you go on. Tell me more. Uh, okay. So for a while, circa 2011, 2012, anytime I had a better than four hour day, <laughs> which was pretty routine on the weekends. As I rolled back into Manhattan Beach, I'd swing by Wahoo's Tacos. Um, 
I did this for a couple of reasons. One was there was almost never, you know, come like Saturday lunchtime, Sunday lunchtime. There was just never uh, enough ready to eat food in my kitchen. Um, and I wanted large amounts of food. Sure. Um, and, you know, there's also the fact that, you know, well, Wahoo's tacos. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got the same thing every single time i can be a little stick in in the muddy this way uh the combo plate of two enchiladas one chicken enchilada one cheese enchilada with beans and rice i would sit there in my lycra and proceed to all but inhale my meal i'd have licked the plate clean if i didn't think the families would chastise me for teaching their kids awful manners that would not have bothered me. Go on. I, it might have inspired me if I'd rethought it a little bit. So anyway, I decided to ask all my Facebook friends and followers what they dream of late in the ride. And the response I got was just stupid fun. I think I'm going to be doing more of this sort of thing. So, of course, many of the responses weren't surprising. Uh And that's not to say they were boring. They just weren't surprising. Uh, The most popular response was... Burritos. Yep. Uh, But some people got very specific in what they wanted, like Al Pastor or a bean burrito from Taco Bell. Nope. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, that just came out. I didn't. That was on. That was. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I I understand. Um, Burritos were such a popular response that it was more than double any other food. Except beer. Sure. Uh, and people got very specific about their beers. Some even like went into the, the who and the what, but basically IPAs led my buddy, Rick Sutton, uh, founder of sea otter and with enduro bearings these days specified Pilsner. Interesting. Yeah. Burgers Ah. got the second highest response rate. Uh, you're wanting to insert something here. Oh, it's just going to say something about beer. No, I don't drink. Right. Or I haven't had, I haven't, I don't, I haven't in a long, long time. And uh, the crafty beers seem like a curious choice to me as the first thing to drink after the ride. I, you, you drink beer, uh, Mm -hmm. albeit not that often. Um, Mm -hmm. Would you not want like first a cheap American lager just as like a, a, like a thirst quenching sort of like first round before you No, you want to go straight for the heavy stuff. Well, uh, you make a, you make an interesting case. Um, 1997 I'm at Ragbri. This is the last full week of July. It's Iowa. It's hot and humid and just, ugh. and it's late in the day. And I'm standing on this luggage rack that's been reinforced into a, party deck on top of a school bus and I'm dancing to the Spice Girls and Naturally. yeah uh it's 1997 please forgive me um I, well I had to turn uh to my then girlfriend and ask her uh, uh, uh am I dancing to the Spice Girls <laughs> uh m- moments before or after that point I don't quite recall uh, she put into my hand uh, a Budweiser that had been chilled to about 33 degrees Fahrenheit. Right. That was a really fine and memorable beer experience. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, I, and again, I don't drink, so 
Um, <laughs> Take your advice with the grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. It's not even advice. It's just my imagining. Uh, I would imagine that that very cold, watery mm-hmm. American lager, which people eschew mm-hmm. uh, in their normal life because mm-hmm. it just, you know, it's flavorless. <laughs> but doesn't it, wouldn't it go down sort of perfectly? Yeah, um, I, you you make a great case. And All on right. a, a hot, humid day, um, sure. Uh, the problem is, you know, I can't walk into a 7-Eleven and buy a Budweiser chilled to, you know, any colder than about 50 degrees. Uh, I believe you. I believe you. And so, look, I'm going to leave this here because I don't have a dog in this fight at all. <laughs> it just, I just you can't imagine you knowing what I remember about beer. I can't imagine wanting a heavy one right after I get off the bike. I, but, I'm, I hear you. Uh, let's yeah. go back to burgers though. Okay. Yeah. Well, burgers got the second highest response rate. Uh, and some people specify cheeseburgers or a very specific restaurant, like say in and out. Mm. Um, our second most popular drink, Coke. Mm. That tracks for me as well. Um, at the end of a ride, I almost want either a beer or Coke. Occasionally, cider will will pop into the mix. But, you know, I either want to go sweet or savory, kind of. Yep. You might say. Uh, Mexicoke, by the way, is best. Yeah. Um, but ordinary Coke will do in a pinch, especially if I'm driving I don't want to deal with a bottle cap and an open bottle, so I'll get something with a screw top. No, now, uh, now this one I can relate to because I love a Coke after a ride, but for mm-hmm. me, it's got to be very cold and from a can. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I would pass over the plastic bottle. It just it doesn't conduct the uh, the temperature in the way that I find pleasing. I I understand and respect your point. Yes, yes. Glass uh-huh. bottle is fine. Plastic bottle, I'll pass. I yeah, I get it. Uh, so uh, tacos beat out fries and pizza. Uh, mm-hmm. with and they beat out ice cream. Interesting. I, this makes no sense to me whatsoever. I don't get the attraction to tacos at all. I don't like foods that disintegrate as I eat them. Mm. That's a that's a hard stop for me. You know, pizza, good New York style pizza becomes more easily eatable the more you eat it. It's the opposite of a taco. Now, you started by saying that you would eat a tray of enchiladas, Mm -hmm. which is just a disintegrated taco. Yeah, but it's fork food, not like, oh, it's falling on my plate food. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, can I just say, you know, as great as ice cream is uh, as an after ride food, um, because I can eat it without guilt. Uh, it's it's an even better mid ride food. Honestly, <laughs> I, I buy that. Yeah. Um, you, you know what the best uh, mid-ride ice cream is, in my opinion, and this is a little bit ironic, but it's the classic Choco Taco. <laughs> That's, that has been my experience. I don't want to be licking a cone, but the Choco Taco ice cream novelty 
I mean, it doesn't just rhyme. It's also delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave that where you put it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Some people didn't specify a particular dish. They just said Mexican or Chinese takeout. Um, I don't know why the takeout part mattered, but okay. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> our friend Julie Kelly, she specified Jersey Mike's because their sandwiches and their burritos fit in a Jersey pocket. Mm. Um, no, that's not why they are called Jersey Mike's. But honestly, I think they should probably use that in their marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we got some votes for chips and salsa or nachos. Um, but also we got two votes for Pringles. One of those votes from an industry friend, Michael Brown, um, specified crushed. Crushed Pringles. Crushed Pringles. Did he say crushed and snorted or just crushed? (laughs) Just crushed. All right. Uh, Okay. All right, Michael. And, and, you know, at this point, we've covered a few different items, which means that, you know, cookies are just now popping up in the hierarchy. I don't know how they didn't get more votes. Mm. When among the things I have jonesed for over the years, mm. cookies, uh, mm. when I was racing, I'd come home on Sundays. This was only a thing I would allow myself on Sundays. And I would, uh, allow myself two of the Trader Joe's maple sandwich cream cookies, two cookies, not two rows. Mm-hmm. That was, that was me partying. That, that is monastic. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't live that way anymore. The second one was real decadence, eh? <laughs> it, it, it was It was like, yeah, it really is that good. You know, <laughs> are you going to be able to stop? Yeah, I think I can stop. Um, but, you know, but then like I'd wander around, you know, in this carbonated haze for the next hour going, gosh, that was good. Um, somehow also bacon came up short in votes. I thought bacon would kill. Hmm. Ditto for peanut butter and jelly. Snickers, milkshakes, pasta, and watermelon. Those things didn't register, eh? They, they they registered, just not nearly as high as these other things. I mean, I think of, but not milkshakes, but uh, or pasta, but PB and J, Snickers, and watermelon. That's mid ride food. Mm, mm. Yeah, I don't I don't ride with sandwiches, so it's definitely a post ride food for me. Uh, I think but I, more I is you. aid station. That's an sure. aid station staple. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I have I have rescued myself. Uh, I'm with you on the Snickers because I have rescued myself more than five times. That's an underestimate. Uh, with Snickers. The yeah. Mid-ride Snickers has. Yeah. That has gotten me home. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that. Yeah. That's what it's there for. Yeah. Uh, my friend Romany said hot dogs. And for her, they are kind of a canary in the coal mine. Um, she said she knows that when she wants a hot dog, she's messed up her nutrition. <laughs> There's a one-to-one correlation. Right, right, right. She thinks, I want a hot dog. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wish anything in my life was that clear cut. <laughs> um, my friend Brad Mena at SRAM. He chimed in and he said that he raids his fridge. You're going to love this. I I have massive new respect for Brad now. Um, He raids his fridge for the foods nearest to expiration. What? 
it's brilliant. It's brilliant because, you know, there's probably some stuff that's kind of on the bubble where like you open the fridge and you're mildly hungry and you're like, no, but if you're starving, it's like, yeah, I'm willing to risk that. Yeah, that I, I no, I like it. I do like it. I like the idea that maybe he's got like a jar of like three year old mustard and a spoon. <laughs> I mean, I know that's not what he means, but no, I, yeah, I, I mean, you know, maybe maybe there has been that day. I should ask him. Um, but, you know, it's just it's very mercenary. I love that. Mm. OK, the most surprising answer of all. Mm. Tequila. I almost spit my drink all over my monitor when I read that. Um, wow. And I am currently drinking a Coke. Uh, I was also surprised to see a vote for sweet tea um, from another industry friend, Gus Sarmiento. Gus is not a Southern boy. Uh, I think sweet tea is a strong call, actually. I, I'm not disagreeing, but I mean, sweet tea is a particularly Southern thing. Yeah, I wonder if uh, non-Southern people even know what real sweet tea tastes like. Like, oh, you think you know, yeah, but it's not almost, a thing that you can get anywhere in New England. You can't get sweet tea here. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. Um, and th- just using, you know, using that exact term, sweet tea, not sweetened tea, no, sweet tea. Sweet tea. Yeah. That's a thing. You right. know, it's like pasta carbonara, which somebody else voted for. Um, what? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the thing about sweet tea is properly made, you know, you, you brew the tea and while it's still hot, you pour in about a half a bag of sugar. Well, that's the thing about sweet tea. Like you can buy quote unquote sweet tea that is bottled or whatever from mm-hmm. of whoever yeah snapple or i don't know whoever does does those things that tea's right. not sweet but, well it's it's sweet but it's less sweet than a coca-cola and sweet, sweet tea properly is much sweeter than even a coca-cola yeah 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 no it's it's diabetic is what it yeah. is and yeah. there's a time and a place and i think it is a good call but i i wonder if gus maybe he makes his own I, I I should find out. Yeah, yeah. What, what, do you, what else do you Jones for? Well, I want to say t- two contradictory things. <laughs> Good. The first one is, well, I'll start by saying, uh, repeating what I said before, which is I, I will do almost anything not to Jones for food. Right. While I'm still pedaling. I have to be two miles out. To, to permit myself, I mean, I don't know that that's exactly right, but I have to be really, really close. Yeah. The last hour is not close enough. The last yeah. 10 minutes, that's close enough. Yeah, no, I buy that. I buy that. And generally for me, uh, it's an iced coffee. And I'm going to... We gonna, did get a vote or two for that. Yeah, iced coffee. Um, actually, what I would call, what I call a dirty iced coffee. <laughs> um... <laughs> Which is like a Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. And this relates to the sweet tea comment before, because if you go to Dunkin' Donuts, at least in New England, and you say, I'd like a large iced regular, (laughs) you're going to get a bucket sized vessel 
of mm-hmm. coffee with tons of ice. It's going to be very light and very sweet. It's a, as a coffee drink, it's garbage. <laughs> like if you wanted to drink coffee, that's not, not what it. that is. <laughs> that's not what that is. So I call uh-huh. it a dirty iced coffee uh, because okay. I feel a little dirty when I drink it, but I do love it. <laughs> um, so a bucket of dirty iced coffee is high on the list. Uh, and then and then here are the contradictory things. My 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 real feeling when I get done with a really hard effort is please don't offer me a dairy product. So like I did a long, hard ride where I cracked uh, what two summers ago, three summers ago. And Mm -hmm. the ride food was a grilled cheese truck. Oh, and the idea I was I was so desperate for calories that I did eat a grilled cheese, but I almost tossed my cookies. I was like, please, hot. Oh, here's the contradiction. I will eat an entire cold pizza in that same scenario. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't understand why I understand this, but I understand this. Cold maybe the rule is cold dairy good, warm or hot dairy very bad. Well, for me, I I have some some vague awareness that my internal temperature um, will, will have some influence on my ability to consume certain things. So if my core temperature is high enough to curdle milk, then I can't have milk products. Yeah. I mean, going back to what, what someone said before, Chinese takeout, I get that because it's cold and in the fridge, like cold mm-hmm. lo mein. I would eat cold lo mein oh, okay. after a hard ride. All right. I would not want hot lo mein. Certainly not. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Well, now I think my next question has to be, you know, what's what's your worst post-ride food pratfall? Oh, my gosh. That's going to be I think that's that's got comedy written all over it, doesn't it? Uh, yes. I hope that there are a lot of responses. Mm-hmm. I definitely mm-hmm. want to hear that. Yeah, me too. Me too. And now I have to go searching my memory banks for the 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 things that went most wrong. And I do remember a burger uh, up in the grapevine many years ago. Mm. Yeah. Alrighty. Let's well, move on to week. Paceline Picks. Yeah. Paceline Picks. Here we go. So this week uh, I'm on food, actually. This week I'm picking <laughs> the Mezcla Plant Protein Bars. Not Mezcal. Mezcla. Not Mezcal. Mezcla. Okay. Um, often on a, on a Monday morning, you'll find me staring blankly at the wall of nutrition bars at the Whole Foods down the hill from my house. (laughs) I've eaten a lot of them and found the vast majority wanting. Ideally, on the bike or off it, you're going to eat real food, not some synthesized food puck. But needs must, and though I contend that cold pizza does fit nicely in a jersey pocket, I still keep a small (laughs) supply of nutrition bars on hand for ride food. The current standout for me is this Mezcla bar, uh, which, as I said, is a plant protein bar. My favorite is the Mexican hot chocolate flavor. Ooh, cinnamon? Yes. Yes. Oh. Uh, they also make Canadian maple blueberry, 
Japanese matcha vanilla, Peruvian cocoa peanut butter, Italian pistachio chocolate, and Spanish almond butter chocolate. Does the bar come with a passport? (laughs) If those all sound good to you, then you are confirming the old marketing truism that attaching exotic descriptors to flavors makes them much more compelling. (laughs) Guilty. (laughs) Mexican hot chocolate is much more exciting than just hot chocolate flavored. Anyway, these bars are good. They are vegan, non-GMO, gluten-free. They use pea protein and quinoa to make them puffy and crunchy, a bit like the scratch crispy rice cakes. Mm. Uh, The Mexican hot chocolate bar is 170 calories with 10 grams of protein, if that's important to you. For me, it's just about having something palatable to put in the tank when my blood sugar starts to drop. I'm not really, I'm not a label scrutinizer. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you are a label scrutinizer, go to the store and scrutinize that label. Uh, I just like to have something really convenient that's tasty. These are $40 for 15 of them at (gasps) eatmezcla.com. I'll put, we'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, Or you can get them for like $275 at Whole Foods. Oh, yeah, that's, um, that's primo. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm into it. I'm a cheapskate. Uh, so my peak, uh, my, my Your peak, peak this, this week. Yeah. Yeah. My, my peak this week, um, goes to one of my horse to barn foods that we discussed earlier, Mexico. Oh yeah. It's silly to me that the U S government permits high fructose corn syrup to be used in Coke, but in most other countries, they have to use real cane sugar. Uh, and the difference in taste is truly notable. Uh, noticeable maybe is the word I ought to be using. Um, Years ago, before I began to find Coke imported from Mexico into the U.S., I used to get really excited for trips to Europe, Uh, actually more for the Coke than the wine, (laughs) because all the Coke in Europe has real sugar. Um, That may not be true today, but yeah, I would get really excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to have a proper Coke when I get to Europe. Right. And like I'd get off the plane and they're in the airport, you know, for like six bucks, I'd have to buy a Coke right on the spot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it was never cold enough, but that's a separate issue. You know, there's an extra brightness to the sweetness that feels like sunshine to my mouth when I'm <laughs> having a proper Mexico Coke. I'm not addicted. Uh, You're addicted. Stop talking to me. <laughs> I, you know, and uh, hey, let me just admit, I know soda isn't good for me, but the one two punch of refined sugar and caffeine is my favorite drug drug cocktail ever. Yeah, um, that can really brighten my mood. And, you know, that's not a bad thing for jet lag either or or post ride bonks. No, absolutely. I I have this problem with high fructose uh, corn syrup that it gives me this like, um, like I have a hairball. I start to like cough and I get Mm -hmm. this feeling like uh, it's bad. So I don't like um, fountain Cokes that are particularly syrupy Mm -hmm. uh, really mess me up. Um, I almost wish that was the case for me. Because it would deter you from drinking more uh-huh. of them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I, I should drink less soda. I know this. You know, you you don't have to tell me. I know. 
All righty. That's a wrap on another episode of The Pace Line. Uh, We'd love to hear your thoughts about today's episode. Chime in with your foods or in anticipation. Toy boat in anticipation of next week. uh, Hey, chime in about your worst food pratfalls, um, particularly the post ride ones. Um, And while you're stopped by, hey, consider subscribing. We could use it. We have three, five, and $10 options or the one-time go-for where you can just hit the tip jar. Uh, As always, our dollar, your dollars (laughs) that become our dollars uh, go directly into uh, the the people who produce the content on the Cycling Independent. I got a kid in college, everybody. Pony up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I'm trying to feed a 14-year-old. So with that said, until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.